The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, this is Ira Wolf, and I've got Keith in the studio today. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, right by me for a change. Uh, we've got so much to talk about, uh, and we've got a great guest here. Uh, we're on the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Uh, we've got Matt Charney. Uh, he is Chief Content Officer at Allegis Global Solutions and Executive Editor at Recruiting Daily. Uh, Matt has been one of my favorite sources for headline news when it comes to recruitment, HR, mm -hmm. technology. Uh, so really excited to get him talking to our Googleization nation. Uh, he's also just getting back from uh, Unleash, 2019 Unleash out in Paris. I uh, just heard he's headed off to England, so we'll, or London, so we'll hear about what, what he's doing over there, too. Uh, but before we get to Matt, uh, I kind of, well, about 12 hours ago, I just got back from uh, Texas, uh, Fort Worth, at the HR Southwest Conference in Fort Worth. Uh, it's cold out there today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, HR Southwest is one of the largest HR conferences in the U.S. Um, it's right, sort of right behind the HR National SHRM, um, the annual SHRM, and then um, Talent. And I think I think it's the third or fourth when largest you, uh, one. So. When you went out there, how did it stack up in terms of the audience? Because I know that when you were at the, I think it was the SHRM in Vegas, mm -hmm. that you had like a standing room only 730 well, actually, I did three sessions. So the the first uh, Sunday we did yeah. it was all day. You know, I, I actually thought it was nine to four, and when I looked at the schedule, it was eight to five, uh, yeah. and with a half hour lunch break. So it's like, I, I mean, you you know, I have enough stuff to talk about for yeah. for, for sure. more than eight eight hours. But I was like, do I? I'm gonna blow them out because. You, Typically, at the end of even my hour, hour and 15-minute right. sessions, people walk about, hey, this is great, but my brain's tired. Right. Uh, so I'm going to think, like, nine hours of me is, is a, a long time. Um, five o'clock, still had uh, – one person had to leave was her birthday. Mm -hmm. um, she left, like, at 4.30. One other person uh, left. He was a vendor, uh, and uh, he was you actually – had, he had to go uh, set up. Um, downstairs the other seven were still in the room uh, right till five o'clock still asking me questions yes. so that it was a blast yeah. uh i did recruiting in the age of googleization uh the short version the, the hour version yeah. uh on monday and that was standing room well actually they didn't have they wouldn't allow standing room only uh they, they're really strict if you didn't have a seat you couldn't stand mm -hmm. um but we had every seat full and then in the afternoon, I did my, my the uh, video one, you know, mm -hmm. the, the uh, how to use uh, video for recruitment marketing, and um, that was uh, that was full as well. Charney knows a ton about uh, these conferences, and uh, I'm excited to have this guy on the show. There's there's a, a a way cool perspective that he has, and it's fun listening to you and your perspective, and just seeing just being able to recognize the. The, the ebb and flow of the messaging and, and the responses. This is 
Yeah, so, well, likewise. And uh, I know, um, you know, Matt's title is Chief Content Officer. Yeah, but he's much and, more and I than said, that. Off, I, yeah, and, and oftentimes <laughs> I, I say I'm, I'm probably a content, I, I'm more of a marketing company that just happens to be in this space right. as well. Right, uh, right. So uh, a lot to share and, and where we go out. Uh, just a couple other things. Um, recruitment marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, the online course. Mm -hmm. uh, really excited about that. Um, and uh, added a little bit more content there, ready to go live uh, Monday, if not sooner. I just have to do some of the prep work. Um, for anyone interested, uh, you can go up to the uh, website, successperformancesolutions.com. Right at the top, there's a uh, button. Uh, you can get the alerts right now. You won't get entered into the course, but you'll get an alert and uh, run in a contest. Everybody will get lifetime access. It's really become an LMS. I talked about yeah. a couple other people. Uh, we're going to probably, by the end of the year, have about 50 videos up there. Sweet. Uh, interviews and uh, a couple other things. And uh, also want to give a big, big shout out to Zor.ai. Uh, That's our newest sponsor. Brought them on uh, mm -hmm. beginning of the month. And uh, just received this in my inbox. It was pretty interesting uh, and, and thought I'd uh, bring it up. Uh, they have a new infographic they just released. They talk about old school recruiting and new school recruiting. You've heard, you know, anybody who's heard me speak or write yeah. or uh, done this and interesting, yet Matt's perspective on it as well. Um, they talk about old school. That's on their, the left side of their chart. And 60% of uh, applicants drop off during the hiring process. I, I think it's much higher from some of the stats I've read. You know, 50% yeah. of the people are dropping off before they apply just because they can't even figure out how to apply right. or find the career site or the employment brand so bad. And then you have another 50, 60% dropping off during the application. Uh, that only leaves 25% left. So um, pretty serious stuff. And then 65% uh, of applicants get no feedback after they apply. And hiring takes weeks, forever. months, uh, forever. forever. Uh, new school, and they're talking about using a chatbot, um, AI chatbot, 99% of applicants are satisfied. As, are satisfied. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, the, again, even if it was 60%, uh, it, it's uh, so much better than it was. And then they're scheduling interviews. And you've heard me say this. I've been doing this for two years and said, why aren't people, uh, as soon as they do their chat, they, uh, you know, you schedule them right away you yeah. know, if they're qualified. And uh, so, you know, that that was pretty cool. And I want to give a shout I'm out so, to Zor. I'm so, so curious. To, it's just, I love having Zor. They're a perfect sponsor for the show because. Um, you know, you look at the differences that's day and night. That's like that. That yeah. one element is it could be very well considered a game changer if done correctly. Mm -hmm. And if done correctly, it frees you up to do more strategic things. And if you do two or three of those, now you have exponential change. Yeah. And, and as I say, even if people don't use chat, it's still looking at the application, revising the application, focusing that initial conversation on what are the major qualifiers or qualifiers. And everybody still goes back to, you know, name, address, um, you know, the last three employers. Uh, you got people like Matt's, you know, Matt's a young guy. You're younger than me. But, you know, you got people. Are you saying 50. I'm not a young guy? You're, you're, you're older than Matt. <laughs> hey, you're a Gen X. Uh, hey, so we, we we get into you know you, you hear you know people in their 40s 50s are applying so even even yeah. you know you I mean yeah. you, you're out of school for what two decades yeah uh, and and the standard is where did you graduate high school what was the year what was this principal's name what was the address what's his phone number and the school might even be torn down by now I want to let's bring Matt in here because I want to I want to get his perspective I thought it just occurred Matt welcome to the show pal you there uh, yeah I am can you hear me. 
Yeah, here you're just fine. So we're talking about all this stuff, right? This, this the difference uh-huh. between the future and the past, or maybe even the present. Well, I've been out of the game because I, you know, I split up with Jobvite at the end of May or the beginning of May. What's go? How do you see the HR uh, world receiving all of this technology? I just I've kind of lost my sight on it, so I'm curious. Are are people paying attention, or are they still chasing their tail? I mean, yeah, they're paying attention a little bit too closely, I think. Um, but yeah, I think that HR is, uh, you know, uh, generally tends to uh, have an inferiority complex. And I think recently, rather than looking at things like, you know, competency modeling, professional certification, um, you know, training and, and things of that nature, uh, decided to, you know, plug in the capability gaps through things like, you know, automation and solutions to non-existent problems. Um, so essentially, yeah, I mean, not only uh, I think are we embracing technology, I think that technology is really starting to take the human out of human resources, which uh, for good, bad, or indifference is kind of the direction where we seem to be headed. Well, well, that sort of fits up in my alley. You know, one of the presentations that I've been doing is keeping the keeping the H in HR, keeping the human in HR. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my take on that, uh, and I think this is where you're coming from, Matt, but you can share that, um, is that HR sort of adopted technology to automate the processes and to make life easier for them. But it's not the technology that has taken the H, H out of HR. Uh, it's is is HR took the took it out because they they basically automated a lot of bad processes. And you know I love Tim Sackett's quote, um, and it was about that if your if your HR if your talent acquisition sucks, HR technology will just make it suck faster. <laughs> Right, which which is a uh, I don't believe Tim originally coined that, but we'll no. give credit. Yeah, I, I saw it. I, so. I saw it come across it the other day. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, so but uh, uh, so I, I actually he's the new Mark Twain. Just every quote. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, he's, he's pretty prolific. So what quote. have you been up to, uh, Matt? I saw you yeah. at HR Tech. Uh, it's great meeting. Yeah, you did great hanging out. Um, what have you been doing since? What's got you moving around and excited about the, getting to work and. Uh, yeah, so I guess since I saw you there, now I'm trying to kind of do my mental timeline. Yeah, I think I've only done two other conferences, one of which obviously, you know, was, was Unleashed in Paris last week. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and so you say, you know, what kind of is getting me excited uh, these days? Unfortunately, uh, the answer is that no matter where you go in the world, there are HR professionals spending money on technology and technology vendors uh, either are the same or are the exact equivalent uh, to, uh, you know, a North American institution or European institution. So it's interesting to just see, you know, markets repeating themselves uh, all around the world. So nope. very unexciting. So tell us a little bit, I, and I actually know none of this outside of um, what you just described in terms of your reporting. You, you see, you're the content director for AGS, right? We're like uh, uh, maybe yeah. just do a little background on what you're what you're doing. Yeah, what, and what, what do you actually you do? Get? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, keeps... no, that's a really good question. One that I <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, how I... have I know? And we're gonna have to uh, Greg Fisher's gonna be on the show in a few weeks, so we'll fact find. We'll double check. So, <laughs> so yes, people yeah, still and, ask uh, me what what do, what do I really do on a day to day basis? <laughs> you know, I go, I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah. So my job honestly consists of, um, uh, you know, highlining uh, a lot of content, ghostwriting, a lot of stuff, putting out things uh, very exciting, like case studies, press releases, and other fascinating content. But um, my primary focus is actually looking uh, at the market and looking at both emerging technologies as well as kind of trends in talent acquisition uh, that are either, you know, going to impact, you know, our customers and clients or, you know, potentially could help our business and kind of bringing those outside learning back into the organization. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's a lot of what I do. I'm, I'm just a big geek to use, you know, I'm not a geezer, unfortunately, uh, but oh, yeah. I am a geek. And, uh, you know, I just love kind of the startup side of the house. And that's really, I think, led to this interesting kind of nexus of, wow, I got stuck in recruiting because, you know, I'm not only an accidental recruiter, uh, I, I didn't know that there was another kind of recruiter, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, I've always been kind of, uh, you know, interested in the tech side. And now that those two worlds have, have obviously come together, uh, it's, it's an interesting, uh, interesting position uh, just in terms of what I'm able to see, I guess, on the recruiting side and then looking out to the consumer tech side and realizing that HR is just reinventing the wheel and paying more for it. So when you're going, you're, you're attending a whole lot more conferences than I'd even have the patience to be able to do. Uh, so when you're when you're out there, I mean, you basically said so. You know, you've been you've been in the well all around the world, but you just came back from Unleash and and then you were at a, a HR Tech. Um, what would what would you be looking for? I mean, what would you go out there to say? Wow, that was spectacular. That was different. That what are you hoping to see? Uh, at these conferences that's going to turn you on rather than saying same old stuff? Um, So I think that that two answers to that. One is uh, there are uh, a few people within the HR profession, uh, and obviously, you know, Keith, I know that you're not an HR professional, but we'll put you in this category. People who I would say are actually, you know, have an open mind, are, are driving the profession forward, and, and for lack of a better word, even though I am, you know, a writer, uh, they're chill, right? So being able to make connections uh, with, with practitioners, being able to talk to them and actually understand like what's on their mind and, and kind of what they're doing at the organization, not in the context of a case study, but, you know, over a beer or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really good to hear some of those, those frontline stories. So definitely I put a lot of premium in, in meeting people and the audiences for these shows very rarely overlap although the speakers do. So, you know, I'm lucky in that. Um, on the other side, I, I spend a lot of my time, at, like I said, looking at technology. It's very hard to get me excited about a technology, but uh, when I look at those, I get excited by, by one of two things. Um, either it is a actual, like, new solution that's not a me too play, right? And uh, it, it is actually solving an existing problem or one that, focuses on enhancing and augmenting processes instead of like replacing them or adding barriers like video interviewing, for example. So let's go back to the first part. You said that you're looking for some stories. You know, you, you, you listen to some of the speakers, um, you know, whether it's over a beer, whether they're on stage. What are some of the more recent ones that got you excited? Some of the, you know, what were, what were people sharing that got you, um, you know, enthused and said it was worthwhile for you to be there. Yeah, anything shock you? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I have to say the fact that we're still talking about candidate experience is, is shocking to me. Um, that, that, that and diversity uh, are always the like one and two 
uh, most, uh, you know, talk about topics at any of these events. Uh, and Candidate Experience in particular um, seems like it was born out of, you know, record high unemployment and the recession. And now we've gotten to this weird point where the same vendors who actually created the problem are now offering solutions to solve it. And it's not a product or technology enabled, uh, you know, solution. It's a mindset, really, which is like to, to be good to people. So um, that, that's, I think my biggest surprise is like we're talking about this 10 years later. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say the other thing that it's not exciting, but it, it's good and refreshing uh, a little bit for me because I'm always seen uh, as being a little bit contrarian. Uh, if you want to be, you know, political, a troll, if you're not, um, a lot of what I've <laughs> talked about for a really long period of time is, is actually kind of entering mainstream thought. Uh, and that is this pushback on the high tech stuff and more of a focus on how do we make the people behind our people function better, which is exactly where I think the focus should be. So I am seeing the shift away from what you know, shiny object can I put my budget towards to, okay, how do I make, you know, the, the best function possible uh, to support hiring at this business? So how did, so you said that some of the, the tech companies are coming out, the companies that created the, the, the poor candidate experience are now trying to solve it. Um, what are they trying to do to solve it? I mean, because uh, I, 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 you know, over Sunday, you, you heard me say, you know, I did the pre-conference Meeting. Yeah. So we literally did a lot of hands-on when I'm standing, you know, when I'm in front, when I got an hour to speak, I, I generally don't do it. So we literally went into, there were nine people that attended the session and um, we, I went into every one of their sites and two of them were homegrown. One was a federal credit union and they had, you know, a, a, I think 115 field application that was not secure that they were collecting all this information. But beyond that, so we went into the, uh, so, you know, I think there were six different ATS um that were there and you know they had to log in before they could even see the job listings um I, we were obviously weren't looking at any of the any of the uh, hr tech that was solving the problem because they still had like right. this really horrible um candidate you know from candidate side candidate experiences so what what, what are you seeing that or, or and who are you seeing that's actually helping solve the problem that they created or, um, or, or aren't we yet? <laughs> uh, I don't know that, that we are, but I, I want to just, you know, put a stake in the ground and say I don't know that it's a problem that needs solving. What I think we're doing, uh, if I take a step back, is we are mistaking candidates and applicants. And I don't know that a candidate, which the federal government defines as somebody who's qualified for a position uh, and active in process, has a bad experience unless it's just a crap recruiter, right? Because like those are the people who have a good experience. Oh, I'm still in consideration. I'm qualified. I'm interested in this job. It's when they are no longer candidates that that sort of becomes a problem. So I think that looking at candidate experience, um, you know, is, is actually not accurate or talking about applicant experience. And frankly, uh, you know, while it's easy to say, oh, applicant tracking systems, you know, it takes so long to apply and you need to fill. It took me 43 minutes recently. I was doing an audit to apply for a, a part-time night court position in a major hotel chain. So obviously, commiserate with that a little bit. But if I'm not qualified for it, then why does that company need to waste their time, uh, you know, responding to me? Uh, because I was never a candidate to begin with. 
And what I think is actually kind of interesting is it is easier to apply than it used to be, both through like, you know, some, some one-click capabilities, whether that's Indeed or LinkedIn, um, you know, or, or various other integrations. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, we're seeing the exact same amount of applicants per position as we did in when unemployment was at its worst, right? So in, in the last 10 years, we've gone from record high unemployment to record low unemployment. But the amount of applicants for every position has remained steady between 200 and 215, uh, depending on which data subset you look at, which just tells me that, you know, we're creating, not only are we not solving a problem, we're actually probably creating another one because we're focusing on unqualified applicants, just wait until the market turns. And this is what we're, we're, we're concentrating on. So, yeah, I, I think what we talk about, though, is UI and UX uh, more than it is anything to do with recruiting, right? Like, if it's so, intuitive and easy to use, that's a good solution. Right. Yeah. So we had um, Debbie Levitt, um, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, she has a new book out called Delta CX. She's been in UX for for 20 years. This is her, you know, her her life thing. So, um, and we, we had a, a really, I did a LinkedIn live with her as well. So we had a really good conversation about that. And she talks about the uh, four horsemen. Uh, of uh, bad UX or bad CX now, as she calls it. And it's, uh, I'll see if I don't uh, screw this up, uh, but it's fresh, uh, frustration, disappointment, distraction, and confusion. <laughs> yeah. um, and I say, listen, go, you know, go through your process. Um, and that's what we spend time on, uh, you know, over the weekend. Um, literally go through that. What What's frustrating about this? What What's confusing you? Um, what's a distraction? Uh, and that's, and so, as you said, Matt, uh, you know, it's the UI and UX, you know, part of this that, that has just not changed. And I, I'm not, I, certainly, we, I mentioned Zor, you know, initially, I mean, there's a lot of chatbots that are out there. I, I, as I tell most of the people I speak to, even if you don't want to use a chatbot, even if you don't want to invest in it, the principle of the chatbot, I think, is what you just suggested, is that what are the core, what are the four or five core questions that somebody should ask? Who cares where they live, what the address of the last employer was, if they're not over 18 years old, if they're not licensed in the state of Maryland or Pennsylvania or Texas? Uh, it really doesn't matter. Why, why do you have to collect all that information and, uh, you know, basically put somebody through, um, you know, kind of the, the test uh, when you can ask two or three questions and they right. just don't qualify? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, chatbots are really interesting to me because, uh, you know, as an automated tool, there's a lot of potential promise. But I, I just see it as being, a, a, you know, an a automated telephone operator, mm -hmm. eventually, once everyone, you know, subscribes. Ultimately, you just want to, like, press zero and talk to a human, get really pissed when you can't. And, and I right. just see that as being analog. Um, just, just, you know, it's going to be coming once we get well, tired of that. So ultimately, how like I said. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I know Keith's got a question here, but I, I absolutely agree with you. But I think what it what it's important is people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I hate talking to chatbots. I think it's the process. I think, as I said, even if you don't use the chatbot, think how a chat, what you would have to ask in a chatbot to have that conversation and then make that the human process. You know, really kind oh, yeah. of focus on that. You know, how, what's the logic that you, why over 70 years are you still starting out an application with the first name and the last name? Because the first thing that does is introduces bias into your whole process. You don't need that to qualify somebody. You don't need somebody's name, address. So, what you need is, hey, you're qualified. Right. And and Matt, this yeah. here's where I'm curious about listening to you talk now. What do you think 
is keeping, you know, do you think the process is a good process today? Or do you think that there's a certain element outside of the tech? Like, is it the state of the human resource professional? Like, what do you think is keeping progress from getting had, being had? Uh, on the on the business side or the tech side? Um, it could be, I don't know, like on the tech side, go with the tech side for now. Uh, okay, sure. So, I mean, what's keeping any real progress from being made is the fact that uh, we've invested, uh, I think the number is $140 billion uh, annually, you know, in talent acquisition. About half of that generally uh, right now seems to be spent on technology, uh, at least according to Deloitte's research. And so you look at that huge amount of spend and, and, and the fact that, you know, in Q4 alone last year, like $4 billion uh, of VC was invested in new HR technology companies in one quarter. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, so you have all of these new players and solutions popping up, but ultimately when you look at 10 years ago to today, the billions and billions of dollars we've spent, the market share for applicant tracking systems looks identical. So Oracle, SAP, ADP, and the only difference is Dave Duffield's old company, uh, PeopleSoft, became Workday, his new company, uh, right. about the same market share as 10 years ago. Similarly, as much as we want to be creative with like recruitment marketing and chatbots and all that, both in terms of recruiters' perceptions of what the most effective source is, as well as attributed external source of hire, outside of referrals, job boards are still number one with a bullet. And the only change has been career builder and indeed have flopped and have basically flip-flopped this position from a decade ago. Right. So that's a lot of money with no change. Yeah, we'll get back. We'll get to that. Ira? Hey, so everyone, you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. we got our guest, Matt Charney, from uh, the Allegis Group and Recruiting Daily. Uh, we're talking about uh, HR technology trends, what's what's happening, what's different, what's not different, uh, automation. Um, I've got Keith in the studio today, uh, right beside me. We're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsors, Zord.ai and Success Performance Solutions. Stay right where you are. We will be right back in two minutes. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hi everyone, this is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Welcome back, everybody, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Keith Compagna here with the millennial trapped in a baby boomer body, Ira Wolf. 
Matt Charney's our guest, super Charney, as I like to think of him. Um, I've been following the Matt real for a while. Right? <laughs> right, right. I've been following him on uh, Twitter. And if you haven't been following Matt Charney and you're in HR and you like the like the the way things are going, I highly recommend getting a piece of this guy's mind. He speaks it thoroughly and without <laughs> – I don't think this dude has been sorry for anything in a long, long time. But because of that, he's super honest. And uh, and Matt, we were talking before the break. We were talking about you know the the thing that may be holding it back, holding everything back. And I asked you uh, what your thoughts were, and you said there's the technology piece and the business piece. Which you want to talk about? We talked about technology. Let's talk about business now. What is it about HR buyers that seem to you know? I'm coming from the HR tech sales side of things, and I, it's always seemed fascinating to me the story of HR. What do you think about the story of HR? So I can tell you the story of HR, and I think, you know, uh, if you'll build me for like three minutes, it's, it's a pretty good uh, encapsulator. So uh, what we call uh, human resources uh, used to be human relations, right? That's the field uh, from which it emerged. And uh, that was based in a pretty seminal study called the Hawthorne Experiments, which I'm sure you're familiar with, run by a guy named El Mayo. And this was, a, you know, a longitudinal study that took place over the course of like three decades, in, I believe from the 20s to the 50s, right? So old, old results. But what they found was that um, any change in working conditions didn't actually make an impact on worker productivity, satisfaction, or outcome. The only thing, the only variable, and we're talking, again, decades of changing everything from where people stood to room temperature to color schemes, uh, was, was asking people for, the, you know, their opinion on uh, how work is done and acting like it was it valued and listened to, even if, you know, uh, it was never, ever incorporated or uh, acted upon. So just asking people. Uh, for their opinions and making them feel like they have a voice was discovered to be kind of the fundamental thing that keeps workers satisfied and engaged. Fast forward to a totally commoditized market that we now call human resources or more niche human resource technology. And we're spending $40 billion a year on engagement. The exact same problem that I think we discovered decades ago, you know, a pulse survey is going to improve regardless of what that platform is. Nobody even has to look at it to get that psychological effect. And yet, we spent so much money on, on employee engagement, and we've moved the needle up by two points. So the all-time low, according to Gallup, 33. I think the all-time high is 35%. Uh, we've always been in the middle of that for the past decade. So I guess when you look at the business side, you have to ask a couple of things. One, you know... Uh, every other part of the business generally tends to study its own discipline, understand its, like, its history, its evolution, and you know, learn lessons from the past. I certainly don't think uh, a lot of uh, people in finance, for instance, are, are probably going to be uh, sinking the GDP of Bolivia into co-working spaces, right? And yet we continue to, to make the same mistakes and, and everything's kind of new to us or really cool. But when you talk about it from a business and P&L perspective, if I ask the average HR professional or, or, or recruiting professional in particular, uh, your giant cost center, what are you doing to improve business results or impact the bottom line? They, they couldn't tell you. And that is creating a tremendous amount of risk, you know, because if I can't prove my value uh, empirically, 
then I'm trying to do it anecdotally. And that unfortunately is why HR tends to be a little bit standoffish, I think, from the business and also tremendously risk averse. You don't that, want to be noticed. You're like a left guard in football. And that is a, <laughs> and that is a very interesting perspective. I've, I've never considered it. I didn't even know most of the stuff you just talked about in terms of the old research. Here I've been coming from the almost what I would consider the outcome of that the initial study might have very well set the trend. Who knows? But, you know, I talk in terms of how for the last, you, you name it, Matt, six, seven, eight decades, HR has been considered a cost center. That, 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 that department that really just deals with compliance and personnel, but no one ever looked to it as a, as a revenue generating component of the business. Fast forward to, let's call it the early 2000s, where we see the trends change inside of the talent marketplace. I think that that's created the um, the need for the engagement, and I, I'm seeing that 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 because of the talent marketplace squeeze, and we can talk about how the recession might, you know, the upcoming potential recession might impact the labor market. I just don't know if it's going to make it that much of a difference, where companies are still going to, you know, are going to ignore the workforce. So uh, it's, I, I, it depends on what segment of the workforce, obviously. Um, but that said, the people who generally in a recession are going to feel the most pain are precisely the ones who are sitting in giant corporate cost centers and payroll's always the biggest line item of the business, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something where, you know, what I'm starting to recognize is this, and we talk about it all the time here is this, the, like, is there a true competitive? So if, if I'm, if I understood your story, uh, there is a true competitive advantage or at least an increase in the way employees feel engaged when you create some sort of a feedback loop. You know, in the some of the more aggressive HR tech companies, they're they're trying to get it so that it's easy for them for an employee and a manager to talk a few minutes a week virtually. Do you see that the, the, the talent marketplace and the technology kind of coming together to present a good win win? Or do you think it's more sizzle than steak? Uh, yeah, I do. And, and so, you know, obviously, if you break down source of hire, uh, which I think is actually really uh, just as important as cost, consistently year after year, the number one and two sources of hires are internal mobility and referrals. So if you don't know your next hire, they probably already know who that is without you having to go to the market. And so obviously you've seen this, an explosion of things like matching technologies or, you know, tools that are kind of designed to uh, look inside the organization as much as from, with the, from outside. And that's statistically what we should be doing instead of sourcing more candidates into our pipeline um, because, you know, your employees are the cheapest people to retain. And no matter who they are, losing them generally costs more than you know, giving them another opportunity within the organization. So you're, so obviously you got 60,000 employees. You're, you know, Legis is a fairly large group. Um, it, it, what role, I mean, and everybody, every conference you see this, everybody says we're AI assisted. <laughs> we're driven by AI, how important <laughs> AI is. Um, it, I mean, to, to be able to deliver some of this, we are going to have, whether it's advanced predictive analytics, which I, I think is probably the better <laughs> the, the better level which we might be approaching, you know, more than the AI. Um, where, I mean, how are, how's Allegis utilizing this? I mean, where where are you 
what do you see in the kind of the general field? Um, again, because every platform, every everything, even testing, even, you know, I live in the employee assessment world. Everybody's saying, oh, we're AI assisted now. And I go, well, that's a lot of BS. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, it's really dumb, as it turns out. No, so AI is a good benchmark for increasing venture capital-like valuation, really bad for buying recruiting technology, right? So uh, I'm going to go back to kind of, I think, you know, looking at precedents. What AI is purporting to do is break down data to every single step of the recruiting process and the talent process in order to make it as efficient, effective as possible, like in as, uh, I guess, segmented a way as possible, which is scientific management, which was disproven in the 1910s. That was very, very popular, you know, for, for yeah, about Frederick 20 Winslow, years. Yeah, century, Taylor, right? yeah. yeah, exactly. That's big data, right? So uh, in recruiting, they're, 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 that is scientific management, it's been disproven. So um, what I do think, you know, Allegis is, is, is able to do, and this is obviously my opinion, not speaking on behalf of the company, um, I think we're actually able to take advantage of a lot of these trends toward, um, you know, overspending, having a lot of questions around data and, and you know, profit efficiencies and, and technology stack, um, because essentially why I return to the uh, world of RPOs after having started my career in one, you know, a decade ago, is the fact that recruiting is actually not only, you know, uh, the one thing that we focus on and have subject matter expertise in, but it's our only profit center as well. So it's a little bit bit of a flip, but I think that organizations uh, who have a bunch of technology and a bunch of recruiting needs generally tend to not have a way to bring them together. And I think that, you know, a company that does nothing but set up recruiting departments and execute uh, does a place in that. But what I really like that what we're doing, um, and this certainly I think most contract recruiters can kind of relate to, myself included from the past, is the idea that, you know, in, historically you've had a contingent workforce and a full-time workforce, and those are both often handled uh, completely differently, right? So you have a vendor management system and then procurement spearheading your contingent workers, whereas people doing the same job who are full-time will go in through TA. And so what we're really doing, as you see these kind of shifting patterns, is bringing those together and saying, all right, work needs to get done. Like, we're going to put in, you know, the resource that you need, looking at, at work as a unit rather than as, like, you know, a necessary outcome. And uh, kind of bringing those worlds together, which I think is cool because nobody – uh, is really defined like, oh, I am a contingent worker. Oh, I'm a full-time employee. Like nobody actually thinks of themselves as that, I don't think. So what's the biggest th- threat um, that you see? What are the biggest disruptor? I mean, um, coming down the pike and, and, you know, I'm not sure AI, you know, AI, I guess, could be a disruptor and it also could be the solution, um, you know, as, as is technology. But what what are some of the trends that you see, uh, you know, uh, whether I don't know if you can even reveal this, because it might be on the uh, the old SWOT analysis on, on the threat, you know, to religious. <laughs> um, but, you know, what are some of the threats that, that people should be concerned with that you see as the biggest disruptors out there? Uh, yeah. So if I'm being honest, like you have platforms like Toxel or Upwork or Fiverr, um, you know, those uh, have successfully really gotten market share just in terms of disintermediating recruiting and doing, you know, kind of a lot of, of that work directly through the hiring manager and candidates. 
So I think that coupled with the fact that obviously, as everyone knows, talent, like the actual top talent is able to write their own tickets now. I think that people, you know, are starting to realize they don't necessarily need recruiters to make hires. Um, and, and that disintermediation to me is, is obviously a significant threat. Uh, I'll agree with that sentiment. They probably don't. And if you're looking for process efficiency, you know, if you want an absolute streamlined Kaizen process, why, why do you have this giant gatekeeper, right? So I think that's one. And then I think the second is just the proliferation of like, you know, broader technologies uh, from, you know, Salesforce to Amazon to Adobe, uh, Google, you, you know, keep name, name the usual suspect, uh, starting to get a little bit more into this world. I think that HR technology in particular is likely to be subsumed as just another functionality within a bigger cloud suite that's not owned by or run by HR. So see, that's another one. Uh, Danielle Weinblatt was on the show a little while ago and the conversation turned into, I wonder if HR is going to be there. You know, it really... It, it, it really like hearing you talk right now makes me think that there's a good possibility that the full functionality of HR will go into operations or maybe someplace that has, you know, history with technology and training and doesn't need to, you know, could just incorporate another, like you said, a module. Is that what you're getting at? Um, yeah, I think that that's certainly a possibility. I think HR is ever going to disappear. Right. Because no, not completely. People to handle right. ER and compliance stuff. Um, right. But I do think that TA is probably in a lot of trouble if, if again, they can't add more value uh, than if the hiring manager could do it themselves. So that's just, you know, positioning as much as anything else. Yeah. So the, uh, you know, I, I saw this, I, I, I think I wrote it in my book, maybe it was just an article, and I was talking about, you know, one of the threats uh, is, uh, you know, like, Everybody thinks Facebook was a social media company, a social network company. And I said, it's the data. I mean, even if they, they're not going to go out of existence because they have so much data that they can sell off to people for consumer behavior and understand that. And then, you know, um, and similar that Uber works, you know, Uber, you know, everybody thinks it's a ride sharing company. And now they're, you know, they're evolving into, you know, they're looking for different ways to, to utilize their drivers. Um, but, you know, they've got 6 million people and they have the data they know where people live, what their education is, when they're available, where they can go. And, you know, and they just announced Uber works, you know, so yeah. now they're going to do uh, short term staffing. Yeah. Um, and who else has large databases like that? You obviously do, you know, uh, uh, yeah. as your company, uh, you know, is that is that sort of the next drop up this next stepping point? Uh, I'm, next week, I'm talking to um, uh, a small, uh, basically, they're independent or 35 independent staffing agencies, you know, and they're a group, a little mastermind group. Um, and, you know, one of my topics is what's the threat? And I know two years ago I talked to them and I and I said, basically, they need to start utilizing their data and everybody, you know, say, well, our, our clients don't pay for it. Well, it doesn't matter because the whole model is going to be disrupted. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what are what I, I guess one of the things that I keep throwing out there is uh, even blockchain. Um, you know, and then there's a the debate, you know, where blockchain is going to fit in. But, you know, is blockchain <laughs> going to like disrupt the whole payroll distribution model for so companies that rely on, you know, the ADPs of the world that sort of rely on making their money because they're out. Everybody's outsourcing their payroll to them. Does that go away when when, you know, wow, the, I hey, at, at, at the end of like at five o'clock, I put my time in, I clock out. And, you know, seconds <laughs> later, the money shows up on my phone. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. 
Is that, is that real or well, is that hype? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, the blockchain thing is totally hype because you're seeing the consolidation of systems into a cloud, like an enterprise cloud service, mm-hmm. which is the, like it's antithetical to, to a distributed ledger, right? So you can either have everything in the cloud and, and digital transformation, I think is the trendy term, or you can have blockchain. They are mutually exclusive concepts because you can't have them all stored in a centralized server, server right? That, that's the point. That said, yeah, I do think a lot of functions like payroll, benefits administration, compensation, that's going to be uh, eliminated and, and already has uh, to, to a large degree. But, but also, you know, take a look at how payroll companies, to use your point, make their money. Um, it's actually not for selling great services or doing anything that innovative. They get, your, you know, the globe's payrolls for overnight and then invest it in foreign exchange hedges which I don't think most people realize, right? Like right. they're gambling with house money. So, you know, I, I think that uh, companies will always continue to evolve in order to uh, monetize. And I think that is not going to change. I think what can change is knowing where to invest limited funds and resources. But to your point about cryptocurrency, um, I think Facebook uh, has, has killed that uh, before it even got started. Thanks, Libra. Hey, um, yeah, or, got, or just early on. Yeah, I got, we, we might be talking about it again in a few well, years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I got one question before we're going to end up, end up the show here. But before I ask you, Matt, where can people start to follow you or, or check out some of your content? Yeah, so um, I would say uh, at Matt Charney on Twitter, probably the best source, InsideTalent.org, uh, you know, is a, is a content destination. I'm working with Craig. Uh, on really beefing up right now. Uh, and then mattcharney.com, which I haven't updated for like two years, but uh, somehow continues to make like lists. And, uh, you know, I've said everything I need to say, but, you know, 10 years ago. So definitely <laughs> would encourage people to check that out. And again, I love the content, dude. Keep doing your thing. Uh, last question maybe for the for the day is, uh, and this I is- I got a, one too. This, uh, from me, from me is, uh, and Ira almost spoiled it for me. You come back, let's say you come back on the show. That was my question. That was it, right? <laughs> yeah, I had to get it in here. You get come back on the show in a year from now. What do you think we're talking about a year from now? How HR can get the seat at the table, the business case for diversity, <laughs> and experience. Oh yeah, uh, that's I don't there know if that's it. in uh, maybe that, that, that's good. It. That's good for us. I'll still be in business yeah, doing my yeah, stick right, and, right. Well, and, and my presentation still work and uh, you know new book. Goal. That's <laughs> an interesting point um, because I'm starting to see a little bit more and, and wasn't for today's show, but I'm seeing a lot more on the the uh, valuation side of what the human capital really is. Mm-hmm. There's a mass. I just found this out. There's a massive change going on right now with financial uh, reporting based off of that one line item that says not applicable because apparently people aren't the corporation. Right. And now that seems to be- Corporations are people though. Correct, correct. It's a wild ride, but now everything's changing. And, and now, the, the, now the question is, how do we validate and quantify and qualify the actual value of our yeah. human capital? That'll be interesting. Yeah, well, that's what people are buying the database. They're buying the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. goodwill. Hey, Matt, it's been an uh, absolute pleasure. Appreciate it. Uh, knew this would go fast, and uh, you didn't disappoint. Um, next year, we'll have to get you back on and talk about uh, hopefully something different, but maybe just the uh, Or you could uh, just press replay. And, and, right? <laughs> Make it yeah, that's sad. Ho- hopefully not. Hopefully, uh, we're all getting the message out. I know you're we'll out there. A lot, of other, a lot of other people are out there doing, doing, doing their stick, but... Uh, re- 
appreciate you taking the time today, um, bringing us up to speed. Uh, conversation will continue, obviously, and uh, hopefully we'll make a difference in the world. Uh, and uh, thanks again. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. guys. Appreciate the time. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. And uh, thanks again to the sponsors, Success Performance Solution and Zor. I want to get that in. We are looking for one more, maybe two sponsors. Yeah, absolutely. So for the audience out there, uh, reach out to me through LinkedIn. And it doesn't have to be HR Tech. It doesn't Uh, have to be. uh, We obviously got a lot of people, so. Yep. Uh, and going from there, uh, just a couple of reminders. Uh, as I said, uh, go up to uh, Success Performance Solutions. Look at the uh, recruitment marketing for the accidental recruiter. Um, got a couple hundred people already ready to go into it. Sweet. Uh, real exciting. And uh, hopefully, maybe we'll get uh, uh, Matt. Even as, a, as an interview, we'll be. Well, we, I'm gonna. We're gonna be putting all the podcasts right. in there. Uh, and a couple other breakouts. Um, anything new in your life until next week? <laughs> uh, no, this is a, a little bit back to the grind with uh, the ROI project. Uh, since HR Tech, things have kind of blown up a bit. So. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah. and uh, anybody that's going to be down in Dover, Delaware on Monday uh, or wants to go down there, uh, we've got a, a nice conference going on for a couple days down there. I'll be speaking Monday afternoon, recruiting in the age of Googleization and flying it down to San Antonio talking about staffing, AI, uh, transformation, other disruptors, uh, things in the space. And then uh, that's pretty much I'm off the, the conference schedule to the yeah. end of the year. But they got a ton of, oh, next uh, next Wednesday. Um, actually, uh, when I'm down in San Antonio, I'm doing a webinar for Bright Talk again. Remember, yes. I did a couple of them yeah. last time. Uh, doing one on the curiosity code, oh, uh, breaking the curiosity. Uh, so to, uh, no, no, oh, actually, nice. uh, 2.30, uh, 2.30 Eastern time. Uh, if you check my LinkedIn, Twitter feeds, uh, I'll have the information up there. They're free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there'll be a replay of that. But uh, I'm going to be talking about breaking the curiosity code. So that will be fun. Nice. Any nice. final words there, Keith? No, I think, you know, again, thanks to Matt and Charney for coming on. The guy's got a great perspective, a great yeah, attitude towards absolutely. it. I, I would say he, he certainly deserves the title of the snarkiest person in HR. <laughs> Uh, but he comes with such deep intelligence, and he's got like cool. uh, he's got the experience. Cool. So pretty obvious. So cool. Thanks again. So hey, thanks again, Googleization Nation, all the listeners out there. We're always interested in hearing what's on your mind. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, if you're interested in being a guest or a speaker, just uh, share your thoughts. You can connect with uh, Keith or myself up on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, you can also go up to geekskeezersgoogleization.com. Uh, all 50-some shows are, are up there live. We'll have this posted uh, as well. Uh, don't forget to join Googleization Nation. Uh, there's a button at the top of that page. Thanks again to Zor.ai and SPS, Success Performance Solutions. Join us next week's Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, w4cy.com. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeart, SoundCloud, Amazon, Alexa, Roku. You name it, we're there. Uh, Until next week, don't let the shift hit your plan.